so this is where the uh, intro is going to play. I don't know. We'll probably have a... Uh, I'll probably take something and make a before clip like I did before. A before clip? Or a fore clip? A before clip? A fore clip? No, you have that you have that removed when you're at birth. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay. Welcome, everybody, back to the Crypt Twins. Today, we are talking about cryptids in Alaska. Yes. The biggest state in the United States, costly cold, and costly full of monsters. So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and go over some of the things. Michael's going to go ahead and talk about something first. Yep. And then uh, we'll go down with mine, and we'll talk about some of the other less than, less than, imp not less than important, but lesser known stories, but like urban legends and stuff as well. Yeah, so so, this is what episode two was gonna be if we <laughs> knew what the alphabet was. If we was. knew, what, yeah, if we knew alphabetical. We order. knew how to do alphabetical order. All right, so oddly enough, there's so many different kinds of bipedal monsters that are either human-like or are human-like and animal-like at the same time. So anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic. Yeah, so. And what happens is, so in Alaska, in the southeastern part of Alaska, basically right next to British Columbia, there is a little, not a peninsula there, but a little, um, I guess it's, it's not a peninsula. It's a little section of land right there at the Gulf of Alaska. I'm going to pull it up real quick so they can see it. Oh. And what it is, is it's, it's a little area where the tribe of the Tlingit are. And the uh, Chimshian. Uh, so they have a legend called the Otter Man. And uh, what they call it is the Kushtaka, which really translates directly to land otter. Okay. So what's cool about well, what's cool about it and slightly terrifying about it, it's a shape-shifting uh, cryptid. So kind of like um, werewolves, they can transform into a beast slash man. Okay. And, um, but, uh, Ottermen can change back and forth kind of at any given time. And whenever they're in human form, they still have incredibly pointed teeth. Okay. So you can tell what they look, you can tell if you're going to be around one. So the, the area in which I'm talking about is right in here. This section here of Alaska. Oh yeah, you can. It's see. a very narrow. Sh it's a very narrow section here next to, like I said, British Columbia, uh, right there at the Gulf of Alaska. So, and uh, I believe actually Graham Island is actually where we're going to be talking about. Okay. So, oh, one of the areas that's purported. So, like I said, they are a human form, and an, basically a human and an otter put together. So you got the sleek brown, black or brown or black fur. They're between six and eight foot tall, so giant, terrifying monsters. Okay. They have the feet of a man, uh, a long tail, okay, and uh, glowing eyes, talons for fingers uh, at the ends of their fingers, so like really long claws, and like I said, a mouthful of razor teeth. Oh, nice. So, pretty terrifying to think about. Um, when it's in human form, like I said, it still has sharp teeth. Now, this is actually, oddly enough, and this is still to, to this day, the Tlingit tribe 
is still scared or somewhat paranoid of the Otterman. Okay. And will actually avoid going into lands that are purported to have them in or, or lands they assume or say that are, you know, are the Ottermans. They will stay away from those lands. Okay. So it's like a it's no joke like an urban legend that yeah. has like well, reverence in a culture. That's yeah, kind of be, interesting. Because what they do is so what an Otterman does and it's the stories are kind of Back and forth. It's a mixed bag of results on what you get. Sometimes they are malevolent. Some of the times they're benevolent. Sometimes they're nice. Sometimes they're evil. Yeah. Straight up evil. Uh, one of the things they do is they will feign the sounds of like a crying woman or a child drowning in the water. Oh, wow. And that'll pull people into wanting to help them out and making sure that they are not going to die. And then the ottermen take them underwater, drown them, and pull them in for them. Okay. Or... Like a vampire, they make them into Ottoman. Huh. However, when you're turned into an Ottoman, kind of like the vampire stories, uh, you lose your soul. You have no soul after you're turned into an Ottoman. Okay. Um, their favorite, uh, you know, with, with as easy as they're tricked, uh, children are usually the main target of the Ottoman. Usually. Why? Easier to trick, easier to capture. Oh, okay. That's kind of... Come play with me! Yeah. They can also shapeshift to look like family members, too. And the only way you'd be able to tell is that they'd still have their, like, pointy teeth and stuff like that? Yep. Okay, wow. So, uh, so the funny part is, yeah, they can't... And the other thing, too, they can turn into... They purported to turn into family members. And uh, these family members then lure you into areas where the Ottoman basically get you. Oh, okay. So this kind of ties into... A, a, they have a telepathy of some kind, because it can tap into your mind's eye and say, hey... This is your family member. This is your family member. This is who I can. This is who I can mimic. Oh, that's creepy. So, now this is the the funny thing about that though, is with them sometimes being benevolent, they can change themselves into a family member to lure the person away from danger. Huh. So there's reports of people like getting lost in the forest and stuff like that, and almost dying of like hypothermia, and then the Otterman makes them look like makes themselves look like a family member, and they lead them to safety. And these are like actual stories that people have told, mm-hmm. saying like passed down from generations and generations. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of cool then. Yeah, especially because, I mean, that's I, I get it when they're delirious, you can hallucinate and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But I don't think made, most of the time when you hallucinate, you're not going to get yourself to safety. Yes. So that's kind of that's kind of a cool little uh, story there. Yeah. So cool. now the um, there aren't a lot of well documented, you know, uh, tracings of this either. Um, but also, there is uh, one last thing, uh, just kind of describing the creature as a whole. It does have a weakness. Okay. Dogs. It doesn't like dogs? It doesn't like dogs. You corner it, it barks at so it, it will be afraid of dogs, and if dogs begin barking at it, it will not be able to hide its true form. Oh, okay, so it like forces that out of its shape-shifting yep. and into what it actually is. Exactly. So what is it more... So when it's both man and otter man, so... Would the otter man be its actual form? Mm-hmm. And so it's just trying to... It's stay. trying to look like a human. Okay. That's what it's trying to do. Do they have any idea why or any uh, lore to reason when the first one started or why it started? Uh, I was trying to find that out. It's just It seems like there are a couple different 
what they claim to have different races of humans that lived up in that area for a very long time. Yeah, yeah like the, uh, the Aldet were another one. Aldet, yeah, the um, uh, half uh, half wolf, half people. Yes, I remember so, reading about that. So I, I don't know if they have like a true origin story of a man bitten by an otter type thing to make them in the Otterman. Spider Man. No, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, I don't think it exists the same yeah, way. Yeah. Okay. So now there are there is one documented story of an Otterman called the, in the book called the strangest story ever told. Okay. And it was written. Um, I don't believe it was written in 1900, but it's the account is from ni- from 1900, like the the day like the yeah, year yeah. of yeah. Uh, Harry Culp and three explorers uh, they went to explore the Patterson Glacier north of Thomas Bay. Uh, they and that's known as the Bay of Evil. The reason it's because it's called that is because a landslide back in 1775 killed 500 native people. Oh wow! And uh, they think uh, Otterman was the cause. Really? So it's a, it's not a new. The legend, it's been around for a while. That's crazy. Uh, Culp was there hunting for quartz. He comes across a what he describes a, um, an ape, but not ape-like creature. So, I think what he's trying to say was bipedal and yeah, hairy. exactly. It was, like, yeah. uh, it was like a monkey, but it was like a human, but not a human, and like a monkey, but not a monkey. Oh, that's creepy. Um, so, he fires his creature, fires his rifle at the creatures, and then he throws the empty rifle after firing his rounds. Which, truth be told, I think I might do the same thing. Just try to be like, especially if you're terrified. Yeah, yeah. If only he had a high point, that would probably kill him with him. By throwing it. Can't hit you with the bullets, but I'll hit you with a brick instead. Pretty much. So after he runs, he's narrowly getting away from these things. In the account, he says he can almost feel their breath on his neck. He can feel the towns getting closer to his back, and he makes them back to camp and leaves on the first boat. He does not stay another day. Smart guy. No, that's that's nonfiction. That's like it's his account. It's his diary account. Basically, it's his account. Yeah. Oh, well, there's okay. no there is. It, I know. It it's be, one of those things. Just like he's not gonna put. He's not gonna. If it's his story, it's not like I'm telling the story. He's saying it happened to him. Oh wow. But I don't know if it's put in nonfiction or fiction. Mm. So there's a couple of things about, like I said, there's a couple of things about, um, and that's just one account. So what happens when you know when you're finally taken by an otterman? Yeah. So if you're not killed and not eaten, you're taken back to their homeland to be made into an otterman, where you lose your soul and then you become this monster creature. Yeah. yeah. That only eats like raw meat and things of that nature. So, but funny enough, and this is where the benevolent part of it comes in, and, and I read some other stuff about. Why it we why they want to attribute a lot of things to the otter? Otters have a very human-like nature. They yeah. actually create tools. They're actually pretty nice to each other, but then they also have a darker side that people don't talk about, where they have like lots of relations. They also hurt each other and stuff like that, and hold bridges. Always, it seems like I always thought that I don't know just from different things I've seen with otters and stuff like that. They do have more of a community aspect than yeah. other animals do, which I think is interesting. Yeah, and, it's uh, it's very weird. And actually, one of the things that this makes me think of is there used to be giant otters that roamed this part of like that part of the world. Like oh yeah, like the, the giant sloths and mm-hmm. stuff. There's archaeological finds of that type of thing, which is kind of interesting. Um, which goes into like what we were talking about before we started was um, what was it that that you said a crazy. Uh, monster water monster basically. oh like, like the plesiosaur like a type of yeah. old dinosaur mm-hmm. or an old something that might exist up there still because it could be untouched uh, yeah after all this time which 
I know it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we'll have to look. You have to look further into our past and stuff like that to see if it's even plausible. But yeah. it's still interesting. Well, on that note, though, about the 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 Kustaka, it was um, or the Ottoman. They say that some reports in like 1909 indicated that people who had drowned or they thought had drowned and had been turned into Ottoman have actually came back to help family members out of certain situations. Really? Mm-hmm. So like that whole, they, you know, they make themselves, make look themselves like, look like them, their you know, family members and lure them out of stuff that's harmful. So oddly enough too, before the fur traders came to that area, European fur traders, and I, I don't have the date of when that came, when that was, it was back in like the 1700s. Here, I'll look it up for you. Prior to them showing up, there were mostly benevolent sightings. But the fur traders, after going over, after otters, ended up becoming more and more violent. Now, this also could be a tale to keep people from wanting to hunt the otters. Or, in the opposite effect, it could be told so people want to kill otters more often. Hmm. Because they see them as monsters. That's true. And to use their fur and everything like that. Exactly. So... This is a another thing about it too is if you if you successfully return from being captured 1741 1741 okay yeah, cool you're close yeah so um before European excuse me uh you can become like I said you can become a shaman if you actually survive in an in an encounter with an otterman after they try to take you from to their homeland if you can come back hmm you can basically almost come back as a shaman. Really? Yeah, which because is like their like, medicine man and their, uh, yeah. they could see visions and things of that it's nature. Basically because you faced something that was so terrible or terrifying and you came back from it on top. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Like so, that. so another main reason people really don't like these things is because of the, the fact that you don't have your soul, soul anymore. Um, Tlingit people and a lot of the native people in that area believe in a, a reincarnation of sorts where you come back as part of the clan and if you lose your soul, you lose that ability to reincarnate. Oh, wow. So, it's a very scary thing for them, you know, culturally and religiously, almost at that point. Do they have, like, a lifespan of what they think the Ottoman have, or anything like Not that? Not that I could find. Okay. Um, but I do have a quick story. This is a... I don't know if it's a... I mean, it's not a... It, it sounds more like a folklore legend that's passed down. But, um... And I added... They just refer to uh, the men and women... Uh, one, the main guy, they just called him a man, so I gave him the name of Panuk, which is a, a name for that area. Okay. Um, so, so this is a, a quick story about it. Uh, it's called the Kushtaka Captive. And it says, okay, so Panuk and three kinsmen were in a boat in some stormy uh, weathers. Uh, the boat goes over, and then Panuk is left alive on a floating piece of material that is broken from the boat. After he's floating along the, uh, lo- lo- ah, floating along the waters of the Gulf of Alaska, he's approached by three men in a canoe, and they offer to help him. Okay. So, he gets on the boat, thankful to help, and he thinks they're just normal human beings. Uh, they end up passing uh, the Queen Charlotte Islands, which is where he was really wanting to go. And then he re- they covered his eyes with kelp so that they would not, he would not know where they were going. Okay. They took him to the village called the Rainy Village, uh, and it's a secret portion of land that the the Kashtuka keep away from the Inglet people there. While he's there, he sees a woman who looks pretty familiar, and then she announces herself as his aunt, who aunt, 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 who had died or drowned. Um, She says that she's been there for too long and can't return. She's now part of the 
uh, Kashtaka fam family, basically clan now. She's yeah. lost her soul, but she doesn't want the same to happen to her nephew. She's now married to two Kushtaka. Don't know how that works. I guess they're not. I guess they're polyamorous. Well, uh, I mean, I don't mean to sidetrack, but like you were talking about with otters anyways, is that they oh, do yeah. have a polyamorous type of lifestyle. That's true. So that's kind of an interesting uh, spin on that. Yeah. So, but oddly enough, these Kushtaka, excuse me, Kushtaka, the husbands now want to help Panuk as well because they love his aunt. His, yeah. So what they do is they uh, they take her, they take him, and they take him in a canoe near a village called Sitka. Uh, at Sitka, they hear a raven call as they're getting close to the water, and they fri are frightened because they feel like they're going to die. Uh, Kashtaka can die if they hear a raven call and are not on land. Okay. So. Uh, Oh wait, never mind. That's, that's there's there's no, there's, story. there's a part of my story that talks it involves about a raven. It involves a raven. Just that's like neat. That. It's interesting. Okay, so fearful that they might die, uh, they get out of the boat and then they cover um, Panuk. They take the canoe and they tip it over on top of him while they're on the beach because they don't want the other Kushtaka to come after him. Yeah, or his own clansmen who might think you know, that now he's one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after they tip the canoe and. They end up leaving, you know, at a certain point. Panuk, uh, he's not fully human and not fully Kushtaka at this point. He's kind of in somewhere in the middle now, which is not really good. He sleeps during the day. He's up all night. And at night, he starts howling, shrieking, and villagers hear cries of laughter echoing through the forests, waking them up at night. The council forms in the clan in the village there to capture whatever's making this crazy noise. And this is his own village that he's at, like uh, outside yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, it's back to his own village. Okay. The uh, they set up traps, they set up snares, they set up nets. Nothing works. He's running through everything like they're made out of spider webs. Okay. Uh, finally, the council gets with uh, female weavers in the in the clan and ha tells them to knit in dog bones into the nets and they use to capture him. Anuk runs through a net. Bones fall onto his skin and start to melt into his skin where he can't get out. Because dogs. Because dogs. Okay. Not a real reason there why dogs are a thing that frightened Panuk so much. Or excuse me, frightened the Kushtaka so much. Frightened or killed him. Yeah. Well, dog bones. I know I wrote this down and I totally, I totally skipped over it. Dog bone daggers are your best bet against a Kushtaka. <laughs> the dog has to die of natural causes, though. You can't kill your dog for its bone, or else it doesn't work. That's pretty brutal, right? That's pretty cool. Yep. I like it when we talk about things like this, where you can bring up not only like this is the story, but this is also how this culture says that they're, they're killed, because it kind of brings like more of a physical aspect to it, because you know that these wherever this story was probably talked about and it was actually taken seriously people actually did this type of stuff probably just mm -hmm. to have something on reserve whether or not they even met anything whether or not it's true mm -hmm. they still believed it yeah and they still and, held it true and there's two other stories that are um that i'm not going to go over the, from the tinglet tribes that were actually uh recorded back in like the early early 1900s like 1908 uh, 1880s Really? 1890s? Excuse me. Yeah. Translated and uh, put into a book of Tinglet stories. 
and a couple of them are about different cryptids that we're talking about. Oh, there's cool. one about the, the the monster you're gonna go over, and there's uh, two, like I said, two stories about the Kushtaka. Uh, so they do uh, after they capture him, they start to take pity on him because three of his crewmen died, and he did make it back from this terrible, terrible mm-hmm. event, um, and he becomes bar- very prolific in fishing. Uh, getting halibut and things like that, uh, probably a, akin to him being now an half otterman, half human. Uh, other fishermen uh, offer him the best part of cooked halibut one day. To this point, he's only been eating raw meat, only eating raw fish. He has strayed away from eating anything cooked. Mm-hmm. He protests and he protests, and he reluctantly, after you know, seeing how you know nice they've been and how accepting they've been of him, uh, finally takes the food. And it gets lodged in his throat. He can't swallow the food. Because it's cooked? Because it's cooked. He can't do anything about it, and he dies in front of all of his clansmen. It had such a good point to that, like a good movement to that story. Mm -hmm. And now Pinook's dead. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And, oh man, that's a good story. Yeah, so like I said, I, I had to change, I had to put in the names, and I shorthanded it, but that's actually pulled from a, uh, that's another story that's been around for a very long time. Okay. Uh, a lot of, it's pretty funny, the sources I've pulled, pulled from the book that I had pulled it from, and that's, where's my, it's not this one, this is called uh, Tinglet, this is a book called Tinglet Myths. And texts, this was actually written, in, like I said, in 1909, or in the early 1900s. It's a very cool book. It goes over uh, quite a few different stories about the Tinglets, uh, like myths. some of the things that they held. It's like and the look, Raven. The first the one is the Raven. Yeah, uh, English version of the Four Brothers, uh, Wolf Chi's Son, and then you see here the Land Otter Sister and the Land Otter's Son. Okay. These are actually, these are more benevolent, actually, too. Those okay. are more where the uh, well, excuse me. I know the sister one is. Scroll I have, haven't bit. read the otter. So I just want to see because they're not close, at least from where they were at. No, no, yours, yours isn't in here now. I think about it. Yeah, I don't think so. Unless they have. Uh, no, that was a. Uh, yeah, this is just the, a, uh, it. Yeah, it doesn't have it. Um, but there is the book. Let's see, and I cheated. I was able to go to Amazon, and you can actually read books almost completely for free on Amazon because they tell you you can look inside of it. And then you can just put random page numbers in or something like that, and it pulls up the pages you want to see. <laughs> um, and this is where I got the story from. It is called Kushtaka and Witches. Excuse me, no, it's not, it's not called Kushtaka and Witches. That's the section that that story is in. Sorry, I'm trying to make sure I say Aloof. That. Aloof. So the the book that I pulled the stories from is called Tinglet Myths and Legends. And it's from a book called World Folklore Folklore. It's a pretty cool uh, book. It has a lot of it's a lot easier to read than the um, the other sto- the other one that I showed. Okay. But yeah, it's a lot of it's a really cool it's a really really interesting cryptid. I mean it's somewhere in the line of a Bigfoot but it's almost but it's not it's not because it's it's, not it's still a bipedal creature with fur all over its body but it has a much richer history i believe and is more culturally influenced it's muted not for very long it was when i was doing the alut thing alut but um yeah that's interesting especially just cuz 
I don't, like the way that they pressed on the story, the fact that it's not a Bigfoot, that's interesting to me because it's not going to be the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Now, to, not to say there aren't. That is Bigfoot that, is the most sighted creature in Alaska. Yeah, I can imagine. Absolutely. I, I but feel it like, could be an otterman. If, but everywhere we look, I think that's what we're going to see is the top most sighted <laughs> is going to be a Bigfoot, except for wherever Mothman's at. Wherever Mothman is, I can't remember where. Uh, West Virginia. Is that West Virginia? I think it's Virginia or West Virginia. When we get to that, I, I hope that one beats up Bigfoot. Yeah, that one's going to be fun. Yeah. Mothman. Um, but yeah, that's really it for mine. Okay. Um, like I said, it's pretty interesting. Like I said, I really liked I liked going over that one. I thought it was pretty fun to uh, see exactly what they kind of believe in the different stories they had. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. And the fact that it has such rich cultural history and the fact that, mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, the whole thing, like, yeah, it's about killing the thing, but the fact that they actually have lore about how to kill it and the fact that even making the weapon itself was dictated, that's interesting to me. Yeah. Because that means that it's... It's rooted somewhere. It's not just like a passing story that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Somebody did it to affect some or to affect a creature, possibly. Exactly. Now, it could also just be stories in order to keep children from wandering off. That is true. And there's uh, there's other stories about um, when we go into the urban legends after mine that I'll talk about. Uh, there's a couple of them. There's one. Uh, there's a. It's basically like a mermaid. I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to look it up again. But it's basically like a mermaid that lives in the waters. And what had kind of mermaid? <laughs> it's a, no, it's not. It's it doesn't have fish legs. It doesn't have fish body. It's like it's a woman. Fish legs. A, <laughs> shut up. Fish legs. So, so uh, it's a woman mm-hmm. basically that's uh, kind of green and scaly. And oh um, heck yeah, that's hot. There's um, with the native peoples, they have like a. Um, it's like a backpack for babies, basically, where it's mm. like a wrap, and then you shove the baby in the back, and you can walk around with them or whatever. Yeah. Um, so what the story is is that this creature will hum in the water, and what it's doing is it'll hum to get children close to the water, close to the docks. Oh, nice. And then the idea is that when you get close to the dock or close to the water, mm. she hums, the kid gets excited, looks down, grabs the baby, puts him into the knapsack, and then takes him to the bottom and raises him as his own. Hmm. So it's just, it's another one of those cool, one of those cool urban legends where it's like, hey, that's uh, that's what lives out there, so stay away from the water, okay? <laughs> that's what it is, yeah. but it's interesting. Do you want to be taken and be raised by a green lady? No, no. you don't. Exactly. You stay over here. So, my, uh, the one of the, gosh, dang it, I hate doing that. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. So the one I'm going over right now is the Lake Iliamna Lake Monster. Uh, I'm sorry, Iliamna Iliamna Lake Monster. We'll zoom in some more so I can see it. Yeah, it's uh, right here. Also, turn off that stupid no things thing. It's this big lake right here. I don't know if you can see it on the screen, but yeah, you can. I can see it. So... This lake is the second largest lake in the entire United States uh, after Lake Michigan. Mm. Um, it is 77 miles long, uh, 1,000 feet deep at its deepest point, Whoa. and uh, approximately 1,200 square miles. Um, so it's the biggest lake in Alaska, second biggest lake in the entire United States, which is pretty interesting, and the reason why we would believe something like the lake monster, or as the Aleut uh, people call it, is the Jigganek, Jigiknek, and then there's also another story um, about what it possibly could be. Uh, 
I'm going to butcher this, but it's the uh, Guna Kadiet, which is a Tlingit uh, story. Oh, a Tlingit it. story? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go into some of the, just the research that I pulled up about it. Um, so the most recent uh, sighting was actually in August 2020, um, seen by a, what was her name? Alexana, Alexana Sa- uh, Salmon saw she saw something slightly break the surface. I know, don't make me that face. What? Her name's Salmon. Her last name is Salmon. Yes. Really? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. I could pull up the story right now. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. But her name Shouldn't is have smiled. But Alexana I... uh, Alexana Salmon, uh, Salmon saw something slightly that broke the surface of water. And she said it was like flesh, fleshy, like a su- it was fleshy, but it looks like a submarine, basically the way that it kind of like plopped up. Yeah. Um, and uh, but she only saw it for a moment, and then when she looked at it, she said that it took off towards uh, New Wayland, uh, New Wayland Town. Mm. Uh, so I'm not sure where she saw it at because it says that she was uh, going around taking care of tribal business and things mm. of that nature, but she saw it. She said it broke surface water and then bolted. Hmm. And then there's multiple different stories and sightings where people have said that they either see it break the water, it comes close to the water. Some people say it never breaks the water. Some hmm. people say it blows out air or something like that. Some people say they see one or they see multiple and they're huge. Well, see, it, it, it makes sense that there's multiple. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, there which can't I. Just- I do believe the Loch Ness monster exists, just because there's been hundreds and hundreds of sightings yeah. over thousands, over a couple hundred years. Exactly. So, and it's not just a, as of late where people are like, let's make a tourist attraction. Yeah. Who exactly. wants to see a monster? And the only reason it makes you can't have a monster that lives for four hundred years by itself with no reproductive. Yeah. You know, lo- lonely and upset well, he must then be. Again, you could talk about the fact that like things like sleeper sharks and the sharks that uh, live like up in. Um, uh, the Arctic Circle, mm-hmm. um, they live for a very, very long time, like 120-something years. Jeez. Without a mate, though? Yeah. Oh, they geez. can live super long, and all they do is they basically just kind of like... That's all they do. They just slowly move. Because the water so is cold. <laughs> <laughs> okay? So, so they, if there's anything we can learn from nature, is the slower you move, the, you live the longer, longer you live. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the first sighting that... Uh, uh, probably been like more brought up into the western world or at least what's been reported mostly for people is uh like in actual news and stuff as opposed to just regular stories or cultural stories Mm -hmm. there was a 1945 sighting by a larry ross uh larry yeah larry rust he was u.s coast guard and uh joe i can't read my own handwriting don't you love that mine's just as bad uh We've got the right. Oh, sorry. Geoecological um, uh, oh. survey pilot. And he was flying over Lake Iliama, Iliamna. And he said that uh, it looked to be about 20 feet long, uh, aluminum, like aluminum in color. So, hmm. and which, when I get silver into skin. what it could possibly be, we'll talk more about that. But the silvery skin is a thing. That's what pops up multiple times. Yeah. Um, 1963, a biologist said the same thing. Um, toy was 20 feet long. It did not surface, and he worked for Alaska Alaska Fishing Game. Hmm. Um, 1967, uh, missionary Chuck <laughs> Crapshoots. Uh, I need to. 
It's it's crapachute, but that's how it's spelled. Um, saw it during a flyby while with other people. Um, and uh, he saw it during a flyby, and then he came down, and um, he was going to see if he could catch it. Um, and then he used 5 16th stainless steel fish hooks, like very big yeah. 5 16th steel, and he said that they were straightened out. Like, something grabbed it and then straightened the hook. Whoa. Like, completely. That's so, a lot of power. And then 1977, uh, there was a large animal, 12 to 14 foot, seen by a pilot um, and two passengers. <clears throat> and then the same thing happened basically in 1987, 1988. And funny enough, in 1979, there was a $100,000 reward uh, awarded by the Anchorage Daily News to whoever catches it. Um, nobody We're going ever- to Alaska. Nobody ever did, but it was only for that year, I think. So, well, we'll we'll say we didn't read that part. They owe us anyway. <laughs> so, and then I found uh, after all that, uh, I did find that there was a earlier sighting. The earliest sighting that has been recorded was in 1942 by a Bill Hannersley. Uh, he saw multiple creatures, hmm. multiple, about ten meters in length, so thirty feet. Shut you up! Are you about that again? It's about 30 feet. Wait, 10, 10 meters? Yes. It's a little over 30 feet. Okay. You're an idiot. <laughs> okay. So, um, things the like cool thing feet. is, there's a lot of different stuff about this. There's a lot yeah. of different uh, a lot of people sightings. that have seen it, a lot of people that talk about it. Um, and there's actually uh, uh, Bruce Wright. He's a Marine ecologist and apex predator specialist he got kind of obsessed with this idea so he he befriended uh mark steiger who Mm. was he's a returner retired colonel and former chief aviation officer for the alaska national guard okay so in uh 2017 uh steiger was convinced to help him out and uh what happened in 2017 to uh to steiger specifically is that he was on his boat, and he had a 38-pound anchor at the bottom, and it moved 50 yards at 100 foot in depth. So, at How heavy was it? 38 pounds. No. 38 pounds, and something <laughs> moved it 50 mm. yards. Jeez. So that's kind of crazy. He said the line was going in the opposite direction. It was tangled. All of his metal snaps were bent. Everything that went to, like, all that in place. Basically, yeah. his anchor was messed up hmm. because of something um his gear was fit for plus 10 pound for shark like 10 foot long shark it was and over that it was yeah, made yeah. for that and halibut at over 300 pounds so something very very big yeah i mean how heavy must this thing be if it's that big it, uh the people have speculated about one to two tons things of that nature whoa so bruce and mark also I'm trying to catch a whale they developed a underwater camera and they plan to search again in the summer of 2021 Ooh. so they were trying but uh they're they're gonna try out some more stuff well that'll be fun to see um oh in 2017 i forgot about this was a sighting i told you that had nine people mm-hmm. nine adults uh with their names i won't say their names but can I say their names if it was found on a news article? Yeah. Okay. It's a public record. They public put record. it out there for okay. So nine adults witnessed on uh, June 18th through the 19th. Uh, on 18th, they saw a small amount of it, and like only two people or three people saw it. And then the second day, uh, the rest of them did see it. So hmm. 
it was a split event over the two days of uh, uh, 2017, June 18, and through the 19th. Um, the, they witnessed aluminum-colored creatures about 15 to 30 feet in length, ranging day. in size. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, and uh, the story of the Jigignac, uh goes back into the uh, Alut people. And then the other story about the... Let me say it again, because I'm going to screw it up. Gonna... Gonna to it. Gonna to it. It uh, this actually had an interesting story that I do want to read about because it's a it's one of those cultural stories that that brought together what they were seeing with this uh animal. Did did your email come through? Yeah, I opened up all the links already. There, no, there was another one I sent to you. No, I only got one. Ah, oh, crap! My phone died before it sent out. How the heck's your phone? Fu- my phone, not my. It's eleven a.m. My not my phone, my computer. Oh. Uh, story of hold on Guna Guatemalan Guatemalan yep Guatemalan that's what I was going to say Guna Kadiet and this one it was from let me see this is the only place I really found the story at. Mm-hmm. But, um, so it's a Tlingit, Haida, and Shimshin, uh, animal. They think that they're interrelated and things like that. Hmm. Um, that again goes into your thing where it talks about humans can transform into animals and animals likewise into humans. Oh, uh, okay. Shapeshifters. Nice. So, this giant creature is supposed to be a shapeshifter? Mm-hmm. So, what was happened was he. Uh, there was a uh, young man disdained by his mother-in-law. Um, they sh- she said that he was lazy. She criticized him for sleeping while others were working. One day, he was walking along the shore, and he saw a monstrous being arise from the sea. So he devised a plan to catch the creature, and he was successful. He skinned it, and then he donned the skin and jumped into the ocean. And then he dove under the water and found the home and village of the creature. So basically, he took its place, right? Yeah. So he took this monster's place. So he returned home to his own land, and he found it in famine. So he went back, he hid his skin that he was using, and uh, he, he saw that they were all in famine, so he's like, I can do something about this. Hmm. He put the skin back on, dove into the sea, and he returned to the village with one salmon. And they were joyful because he could catch food. Mm-hmm. And then the next day he went out again, returned with two. The following day he came back with a seal. The following day he came with a whale. Basically saying that he is getting more monstrous. Yeah, he's turning more, more into it. And uh, so uh, the mother-in-law was convinced that. Back up a bit. Why you're breathing into the mic? Oh gosh. So uh, only uh, so only his wife was aware of who it was or why this monster was bringing food. She knew it was him. Oh, so the, the people didn't know it was him. Mm-mm. They just saw a monster bringing food. Yep. Okay. So this comes back to, remember the thing talking about the raven? Mm-hmm. So his thing said, his story was, he told his wife that if a raven cries in the morning before he returned, that means he died at sea. So in the morning, uh, he, he, uh, his wife awoke to find that her husband did not return, and she heard the cry of the raven. The rest oh. of the beach found the creature dead on the shore, and the villagers learned that it was not uh, the mother-in-law who was responsible for the food, but the creature. 
So she was taking the. She was. Ta- he was bringing the food to her. Yeah, and she was taking. And she it. was taking it and saying, "Look what I did." Mm-hmm. So the villagers learned it. And what a s- so loot! They said that the Gunakadiet's spirit returned to its home in the sea, mm. and his wife could not overcome her grief. Hearing her cries, he returns to bring her to his home in the sea. So he brought her down there with him. Hmm. Yeah. So he died, but he didn't die. His he died, but his spirit prevailed, and he was the monster. Yes. Afterwards. Yes. That'd be uh, that's like a reincarnation thing. Yeah, it kind of is. So uh, go a little bit more about the Chigikanak. Uh, that's what the uh, Tlingit called it, and things like that. Not the Tlingit. No, the Alut. Alut called the Alut. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's just another story, but it's pervaded in a bunch of different uh tribes out there that talk about it which is pretty interesting okay um now we can talk about what it could possibly be and thanks to this guy uh dr carl Schuker. um this is actually where i got come up some of my information from that i thought was really interesting about what it could possibly be mm-hmm. and it, it was just really neat to see because uh um lake Ilion, uh Ilyamna, is home to uh, some of the only freshwater seals that exist in the entire planet. And they're oh. extremely rare and uh, very uh, endangered. Um, <clears throat> oh, I do that all the time, sorry. So, Shuker Nature, he talked about the possibility of what the monsters of the lake could possibly be, whether it be giant sturgeon, which do exist in the lake. Huge sturgeon that gets a very big, uh, very large sizes do exist there. Um, sturgeon's freshwater? Uh, that's what they were saying. Yeah, sturgeons are freshwater. Are they? I think so. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so some people believe that it could be the Megalatoria, which is a long neck seal. What? A long neck seal. So there was actually, and I have to look more into this, but there is a, uh, there was findings that seals basically have a longer neck than we think to begin with because the way that their skin is shaped and their fat on them, it yeah. makes it seem like it's all just like bloop, but actually it has a longer neck. Yeah. So that isn't to say that there isn't a type or a mutated version that exists that is a long neck seal. And if it's a long neck seal... It could look like a monster because it had it would have a fat body, a long neck, and it would blow out air out of its head. It would have to surface multiple times. Well, not out of its head, but out of its mouth. Well, yeah, that's seals don't. Yes. I thought you meant like the top of its head, no. like a dolphin. No, so that's pretty fun. Well, I mean, that ties into the fact that, like, I heard somewhere yesterday, I heard a, another podcast I was listening to. We know. Um, we know more about the surface of Mars than we do about our own oceans. Yep. And I think that goes to say the same thing with our lakes. I think we know even less about our own lakes. Mm-hmm. Especially ones as deep as a thousand feet. Yep. So, I wonder if there's anything Swan neck seals in the Pinniped uh, prehistory. Uh, they did exist. Long neck seals did exist. That sounds so funny to me. Like, it's interesting, but the idea that it could exist is there, well, the fact that it has existed in the past. I, I, I saw something I saw something that I really thought was hilarious to read. It was like, what sounds more probable? A, this is about a unicorn, mm-hmm. a horse with a horn on its head, or a 12-foot-tall creature that's checker pattern with the head of a goat 
the feet of a horse and a pattern of a cheetah with a neck longer than eight feet. Yeah. What what sounds more believable? Exactly. A, a flippin' horse with a horn on its head sounds more or believable. Or a giraffe. Yeah. <laughs> so Who gives birth actually, to a kid that falls like five feet. And there's actually stories about what a uh, giraffe could, I mean, what a unicorn actually could be. And it was a single-horned uh, rhino. Basically, like, instead of it being at its nose, it was up on its head. And Do you know the, the story originated from narwhals? Did it really? Yes. Oh. Yeah, you're way off. I'm sorry. Well, I thought that was a real... What I'm saying was a real thing, though. That was actually, Rhinos are always a single horn. Yeah, but instead of it being on its nose, like, coming out right yeah, here, coming it out was its on head? the top of its head. Oh, yeah. So it was no, like a big, a... burly version of a unicorn. I mean, that's that'd be cool to see, but yeah, I'm what... pretty sure it's just a meme I've seen. No, that was, a, that was an archaeological find. Really? Yeah. Oh. Well, that's not where the story comes from. It's from narwhals. Okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to burst your bubble. Okay, so urban legends. These aren't these aren't what I wanted to see. <laughs> Pass over it really quick. Shut up. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, I get it. They're probably yeah. You know, a narwhal's horn isn't really a horn. Isn't it its tooth? Yes. Why are you so obsessed with narwhals? I did a stupid project about them in high school. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> knowledge just stuck with me. That's <laughs> so dumb. Shut up! <laughs> They're a cool creature with a giant horn, and they use it to fight and stuff. And mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> Keep talking. I like this. You know how bad that would hurt? To get attacked by a... Uh, a flipping narwhal? Yeah. A tooth? A horn. A tooth. Your tooth. It's a tooth. This isn't what I'm looking for. You're a towel. You're a towel. What are you looking for? Oh, I looked at this guy's uh, page as well. I'm trying to find... See, when you talked about the... That... Ilyana so, Lake I, Monster. I thought you were talking about that guy. No, that's that's a picture of a sturgeon. Oh. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, that's a picture of a sturgeon. Okay. Um, so, oh, this is the one I did want to talk about. This is a, uh interesting one. Uh, the Arayuli. Uh, they stand about six to ten feet tall. Can I take? Can I just loop? Oh, whoa! I didn't could do that. So the, I didn't either. I didn't think it would work. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Uraluli, uh they stand six to feet, uh, six to ten feet tall, and they have l- arms that reach down to their ankles. Uh, the behavior is they just roam around uh, Lake Iliamna, which is kind of funny because that's mm. where the other thing is. Um, they don't really know how it feeds or how it lives. Creatures described as being curious and passive, so benevolent, and it doesn't really want to. It doesn't want to harm people, but it has been blamed for stealing fish from nets. Um, huh. And it was actually cited multiple times in the late 1900s, and it has presence in native mythology. You um, know, it's funny though. That's. I mean, it's like a. It's like a bigfoot creature. No. 1900s is like when the big arise of bigfoot sightings seemed to happen. That's when skunk apes sightings started to happen a lot that's more. True. I don't remember exactly when the white thing started up too much. It was around 1900s. Yeah, late 19th century. Aliens. Possibly. So, but another thing that I read that he doesn't talk about is what uh, what this guy doesn't say about it is people talk about the fact that, not the fact, but the, another legend that the way that these are created is it's children that get lost in the forest. And then you become oh, a Uriali. And you become a Uriali? Yeah. Dang. A Uriter? Otterman. Oh, there you go. That's uh, your... Yeah. Kushtaka. Kushtaka. 
Oh, but they believe that they call the South, uh, whatever. What? Uh, he was saying the same, th same thing about Bigfoot. Well, yeah, it, well, it's... Kristaka translates literally to land otter, or land, or otter of the land, something like that. So, but it is another cryptid that walks, it's a bipedal, you know, walks on its feet, has a human feet, and half human, half All person. Right. So this is the other urban legend I was talking about, uh, the Qualipalik. It's a creature of Inuit legend described being human-like, having green skin, long hair, and very long fingernails. And she lives in the sea, hums to entice children, and wears the uh, amautic. Ma it's a parka to hold a child in the back. Amautic. Is her pronunciation thing? I don't know. So uh, she's got long fingernails, long basically, hair. Yeah, parents and elders. Green skin. Parents and fleek. Parents and elders would tell their children if they were disobedient or wander close to shore, she would snatch them up. That's a fun. Yeah, that's a good story. Um, it's a good way to keep kids from acting up. Oh yeah, exactly. Alaska Bushman or Tornit. I read that one a little bit. That one's interesting. But basically, it's like people that get lost out into the uh, hunters that get lost into the forest. I thought the Tornit were a another race of people that were living us alongside the Inuit. That's what it is. Yeah. 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 And basically, it's like so. If they're saying people can get lost in the woods and then become a Tornit. Stories. Of I didn't really read into it too much because I didn't want to do too. Uh, I wanted to stay. I found a lot of stuff on the Ottoman. I wanted to stay on that That's one. That's true. Yeah. Well, I guess it's not about getting lost. I guess that was the other ones I was talking about. But basically, it's just another race of humans that were up there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they're apparently uh, where the Inuit were good at, uh, you know, hunter gathering, building canoes, and things like that. The uh, the torrent uh, weren't good at that. Yeah, that's what they were talking about. They and were just bad. Yeah. At doing human things and which is like somebody she said that it was a uh, bigfoot territory in this uh excerpt excerpt that they're talking about so it could just be another type of bigfoot big feats yeah um another thing was the aldit uh Ald aldlet i'm saying it backwards adlet oh it is adlet we've been saying aldit yeah well it's a uh it's a story about uh adlet they are bloodthirsty um and uh, they are basically like a werewolf, where the story goes that the woman that gave birth to this uh, type of people mm -hmm. had relations with a wolf. Yes. So, but what that. I'm thinking of is that if you go into it and look at it as a, it, what if it was a Wendigo or a shapeshifter, mm. and it wasn't, uh, it either it started out as a wolf as the Wendigo started, or a human could shapeshift back and forth. Yeah, or wanted to stay with the wolf. But I read that story throughout a little bit, and it's I think it's supposed to just be a wolf because there's at points where it's in wolf form. All, like, there's no point in the story where it goes into a man form. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. It stays in a wolf form the entire time. She a freak. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little That's funny. Up. So she could give birth to she gave birth a to litter, yeah, a large litter, half human and half wolf babies. Yeah, yeah, babies, babies. So let's see. <coughs> the excuse me, Tizahirk is a uh, large snake-like creature. Oh, um, I did see that one. I kind of wanted to roam Alaska's waters near the coastlines, uh, having a head that's seven foot long, with a tail uh, and a tail ending in a flipper. Uh, for a total of 12 to 15 feet long. It's like three meters. 
Like four to five. <laughs> We're going to get that nailed down sooner or no, later. No, I'm not going to. You're going to get it nailed down. I know what you're talking about. Stupid. I'm, I'm intelligent. Um, yeah, so it, that's another uh, kind of interesting uh, water creature. Um, uh, the Keelut. Uh, that's one that I actually started to look into because it turns in. Uh, it's a story of basically like a black dog. Yeah, I has, saw that one too. Which has uh, revenants in a bunch of different cultures of a a weird, just jet black dog with mm-hmm. red eyes that is evil. Yeah. For some reason, that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there were some people, too. I was looking into that one slightly, just like you did. Uh, but there's uh, reports that it could also be an extinct form of wolf called a dire wolf. I've seen or that a saber as well. Wolf. I've seen that as well, yeah. Actually, there is a uh, there's a team. Of, well, not a team. I just think it's a weird guy that wants to bring dire wolves back. He's trying to breed them. Nice. He's trying to selectively breed wolves to bring back a dire wolf, which is kind of interesting. Nice. Yeah. But it's possible. It's kind of cool. I mean, put me down on that buyer list. Yeah, right. They don't have dog restrictions here. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you're, yeah In yeah, this apartment, don't. no. That's I can have whatever I want. That's pretty cool. Going to get me a Bernese Mountain Dog. So what is next after Alaska? Arizona. Are we sure? Yes. Because Reed sang the song to me. <laughs> Thank you, Reed. So Arizona. Ooh, that's Wendigo territory. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say Chewbacca, but that's not right. Chupacabra. Chupacabra. It's uh, that, that, yeah. Shut up. You so yes. You allowed to talk sometimes. <laughs> I'll just cut my mic there. <laughs> so yeah, next week. Arizona. Uh, hold on, Reed sang me the song, and it's 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 Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas. No, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas. It's not Arkansas, is it? No. I comes before K. I know. I K. <laughs> Sorry. You're stupid. You're stupid. Um. Yep. Yeah, so anyway. We'll take a look at that. We're going to get a map and slap it up here. Yeah. At some point. I might even throw it in as a picture while we're talking about it. Like, right, we'll try to put it here. Yeah. Ish. What, TV or the map? I'm going to put a map. Okay. Picture. In the video. Oh. We're going to be, like, in Arizona, which is, like, over here. So we're going to point to nothing? I am pointing to Arizona. Oh, so you're gonna put a picture here. You're you're such an idiot. You're just gonna keep moving the map back and forth. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So thanks for stopping by. Thanks for watching. We're gonna be doing this like every every Saturday. We're gonna like I said, next week's got a new episode. Check us out on Spotify. We're on YouTube. I'm gonna try and put us on Pandora. Seems to be free too. I can okay. set us up there. Cool. Um and anywhere I'm going to try and get it anywhere you can get podcasts Google all that fun yeah. stuff so if you want to hear Michael keep screwing up what meters to feed are and things of that nature hey. go ahead and search for us on those it's pretty fun if you want to hear more about anthro motors <laughs> <laughs> see you guys in the next one hey like share subscribe whatever all that other crazy nonsense and again if you don't I don't care we're going to keep doing that anyway oh and Daniel wanted a shout out so hi Daniel what up Dan <laughs> <laughs>